RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 101260 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. Welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. Jeff Kershell here, and this week we are coming to you from beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona, which is uh, a bit of a cheat, I must say. If you look back to our hometown in Edmonton and the Alberta area in northern Canada, they're getting snow. And I believe here today it is about 85, around 30 degrees Celsius. So I'm cheating the system a little bit, uh, but we're really glad to be coming to you here this week from Arizona. Listen, if you have questions, comments, smart remarks, or if you want to reach out to us with a topic or an idea, get to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush, and you can also check out our YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook pages. Just search out Crush Performance. All of our information is there. And again, our mandate here is to get you thinking about things you might not be thinking about. And in return, we ask that you guys send us everything you've got to get us thinking because that's how this thing's going to grow and that's what it's been all about right from the get-go. So uh, do get to us. We answer every single message we get. Well, it has been an incredible summer. If you follow the show, you know all about the Crush Performance Summer Tour that started way, way back early in the summer in Vero Beach, Florida uh, with Major League Baseball as they have taken over old historic Dodger Town. It is now... The Jackie Robinson Training Center. We were there for an incredible uh, softball training program with Major League Baseball. And that was really my first big association with the game of fastball. I mean, I've seen it. I've been around it, but not at that level. Jenny Finch was there. Jenny Topping, some of the great coaches from around the U.S. And some of the great young talent. And really glad to see Major League Baseball getting involved in that side of the sport. Of course, baseball being the main focus, um, it's really nice to see that uh, softball and the girls are getting a lot of attention there. Uh, That is going to be a fantastic facility for Major League Baseball and player development for years and years to come. So we'll follow that with great interest. After Vero Beach, uh, we were off to Utrecht for the first African-European Olympic qualifier for softball. Um, Our drink, KP Sport drink, uh, baseball-specific drink, the first specific drink formulated for a sport um, is the official drink of the WBSC Olympic softball and baseball tournaments. We're very, very proud of that. Uh, But getting to Utrecht was fantastic. That was the African-European softball qualifiers for 2020 Tokyo. And to see the game played at that level, it's a fantastic game. Those girls can play, and it is such a tight area that, uh, man, it really, really makes it interesting. But at the Olympic qualifiers, I think one of the things that really struck me getting back into that world, uh, I did my degree at University of Calgary, was really involved with the Olympic Training Center there, watching those athletes come from all over the world to train and prepare. Man, the Olympic Games are really special. You get a glimpse at how special it is and how hard it is. Once every four years, maybe a couple times in an athlete's 
career or lifetime, they'll get a chance to represent their country in the highest stage. And of course, the qualifiers, everybody at the very start is so proud and happy to be there. But then the tension really, really mounts quickly as the tournaments start and games are won and lost. Um, Just an incredible environment to be in. And that's going to be a lot of our topic today, just environments and what we need to do to put together environments where athletes and teams can aspire to. Uh, But it really got me thinking about those Olympic qualifiers. From Utrecht, we came back. I was down to Vauxhall to our baseball academy there, helping those guys get their season underway as the players returned to school. And they're off to a great fall season. Uh, It's one of my favorite programs. I've been with the Vauxhall Academy of Baseball, I think, for 12 years now. And to watch that program come together, every single player that goes there has an opportunity to either sign pro or certainly get a scholarship. And that's one of the reasons I love it. Very, very academically based. And um, the environment that Les, Jim, the coaches and the board of directors have put together there is pretty special. And if you listen to the show last week, um, there's great, great opportunities in today's sporting landscape. There's a lot of negatives, right? When we talk about early specialization and I guess maybe the industry of youth development and the fact that this industry is sort of forcing us into some some pretty gray, nasty areas in terms of development and what it means, um, specialization and getting players locked into programs. Uh, there's huge, huge opportunities, as we mentioned last week with Dr. Baker, for those programs that truly understand the process of development. And those organizations that harness that, understand that, and make it happen, well, they're going to be more successful than anybody else, and Vauxhall has done that for certain. Hey, after Vauxhall, we were off to Surrey, B.C. for the America's Qualifiers. Um, in Utrecht, um, Team Italy will be representing Africa and Europe at the 2020 Olympics. They won the tournament there. In Surrey, it was a fantastic tournament. The softball qualifiers for 2024 for the Americas and Mexico and Canada qualified out of Surrey. That was a fantastic event. From Surrey, we went to Italy in Parma and Bologna for the first Olympic baseball qualifier for Africa and Europe. Again, another great event. I want to talk about that one here in a minute. Um, I'm right now down in Arizona at the Fall League. Again, very, very proud, the Arizona Fall League, which is the future stars of the game. Um, they are using our KP Sport Drink. So proud to be fueling these great, great athletes. This is another great environment for the players and also coming down Uh, here to Arizona, uh, some of the best young players from around the world from our MLB academies. They'll be coming in for a college tour. What a great experience uh, it'll be for these young players as they come from Africa, all over Europe and other parts of the world to get some experience. Um, Players who have never played before coming over to play top teams. And we'll talk about that in a moment as well. And from here, I head out to Curacao. So the tour continues. And of course, uh, to kick it all off was a trip to Brazil <laughs> to start off our our, our crush uh, summer performance tour. And it continues into the fall. Um, but that's all relevant in today's conversation. I want to talk about performance environments today because I think it's something that um, can really, really drive not just your performance if you're tuning in here as an athlete, parent, or coach, but also it can drive maybe the way you approach your organization or team or the organization or team you look for because there's a lot to be learned here. The Arizona Fall League. So we're down in Arizona right now. And again, as I mentioned, uh, we're really proud to be fueling the future stars of the game with our KP Sport Drink. Uh, The first 
sports-specific formulated drink for baseball. And now listen, we are coming for your sport. We are coming for your performance. Our soccer formula is ready. Our golf formula is ready. And all these sports are very, very different. And I always was intrigued and maybe curious as to why we're fueling all these athletes the same way. Well, we've solved the puzzle. It took 15 years, uh, but it's out there right now. So I'm down in Arizona talking to the teams about the about the product, getting feedback uh, and, and helping them understand why we did what we did and why the, the product works so well. Um, but it got me thinking about what happens here at the Arizona Fall League. These are the best young players in Major League Baseball, and they're here for 32 games. There's six teams, about 30 players on each team, and um, it's a mix of players from every organization in the league. And it's a fantastic opportunity for these young players to get together with some of their competition and play as a team, very, very important, but also to bring together the top talent so they can play against each other. Wouldn't you think it just raises their ability to play the game? And that rolls right into the fact that um, our our global European players are rolling into Arizona for their college tour here. We have players from Africa where baseball is not even a, a top tier sport in any way, shape or form. And also from Europe where there's baseball cultures, but there's not really good baseball where there's great players. Every one of these players coming over here are, are really good players, but they don't have the competition, maybe the infrastructure to really, really compete at the highest level. So kudos to these players and again, Major League Baseball for creating these environments in the academies where players can aspire and start to hone and develop their skill set. And we started that in 2005. That's almost 13 years ago since our first European baseball academy that brought players from all over and coaches as well. And to see where it's come in 12 years is fascinating, ladies and gentlemen. The number of players who have gone to college and signed pro since we started this program, and my part of it, of course, was focusing on the athlete development. Develop the athlete so the coaches can develop the players. It's the only formula that works. There's no shortcuts. There's really, truly no other way to do it. So we're really, really proud to see these young players come over to Arizona here and compete against college teams in this area. And they're going to now get exposed to really deep pitching stabs. Every pitcher is going to throw over 90, where you're pretty hard-pressed to find one pitcher you know, through Europe and Africa that throws that hard. We're going to see pitchers from every team. You're going to see great hitters. You're going to get into an environment. These players will get into an environment where every single error really, really means something. It's not like the other team is going to make an error to counter the error that you make. Every error is critical. So it just raises the level of the game. What a great experience for these young players. They're going to get to realize where they're at, and what they need to do to get to the next level. But for me personally, seeing this happen uh, uh, um, time and time again, and Baseball Canada, I think, is one of the greatest organizations for this. Greg Hamilton, Jim Baba, Andre Lachance up there in Canada. Those guys really do, I think, run the one of the best programs in the world. Um, they These young Canadian junior national team players, they play pro players. They play the Blue Jays starting lineup for crying out loud at one point during the spring training. So those kids, 15, 16, 17-year-old kids, um, not only do they get exposed to a higher and the highest level of the game, they realize where they're at so we can go back and collectively work to get them to the next level. Just really, really cool. But when we talk about environments, that's what it's all about. In the Arizona Fall League here, 
is really special. And, and the other cool thing about the Arizona Fall League, it's not just about the players. The grounds crews are, are all from different organizations. The administrative staff, the media guys, everybody, the coaches and the managers. We're, we're potentially looking at future major league managers as well. Um, everybody's here um, to create environments and learn and hone their personal skills, but even so, understand what it takes to get to the next level. Just really, really cool stuff. So a lot of great things going on, and we're uh, really happy to be coming to you from beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. So I was at a Fall League game last night, and I was talking to some of the organizers and directors there, and we are just looking at the talent on the field, and they were just mentioning how incredible it is, and, and they kind of wished people would maybe understand a little better the level of player that's out there. Again, these are the future uh, stars of the game. And each day when the players step onto the field, there's six teams here down in the Arizona Fall League, and there's three games going every single night for 32 32 games, plus an all-star game and a playoff game. But there's about $200 million of Major League Baseball investment on the field is one of the ways they put it. And that kind of made me step back going, wow, the, the opportunities in today's sporting environment for athletes who are dedicated, who love their sport and who are willing to do what it takes to get to the top. Man, just think about that. Every night that the Arizona Fall League players are playing, there's about $200 million uh, that Major League Baseball has already invested in these players who are hopefully going to be the future of the game. It just had me really thinking about how precious the talent is. And, of course, the quest now is to create this talent or create opportunities for this type of talent to really take hold and develop. So I was watching the college football this weekend. And um, with everything that goes on, I really don't get to follow college football. I love the game itself. It's fascinating to me because the thing about college football, it's different than professional sports. Of course, we all know about the money thing. That's a conversation for another day. We will be addressing that this fall, however. We'll be talking about the NCAA and should players get paid and how would that work and what would that mean to the game? Would that destroy the college game as we know it? Well, one thing about the college game that we do know is these players are going to be leaving the organization no matter what. As they go through their college academic careers, they're only there for a very short time. So it got me thinking, as I'm watching the Ohio-Nebraska game the other day, it got me thinking about what makes a great college organization or a football team in particular, great. What makes the great college teams great? It has much more to do than the players themselves because the players are a revolving door. They're coming and they're going. It has more to do with the culture and the people who are in that organization making it happen. So Ohio State, I mean, this was a great game to watch. Um, they beat Nebraska 48-7. to And I started thinking to myself, okay, what makes Ohio State great? Well, we know their athletic budget is in the hundreds of millions. So that certainly helps. Money helps for sure. But money doesn't equal performance. And Ohio State has been one of our college teams to watch, especially with the Urban Meyer uh, situation, stepping away from the great game, a storied coach in a storied franchise. And Ryan Day takes over. And we're wondering if Ryan Day is going to be able to maintain the level of play that Ohio State has, you know, previously experienced. So we're watching Ohio State with great interest. One of the crushed teams to watch in college football, for sure. After this game, it was really interesting. Nebraska head coach uh, Scott Frost 
said that this team is good, maybe better right now than it's ever been, which is a huge compliment coming from a rival football team. But Ryan Day, in his post-game statements, one of the things he said that caught me was uh, his his approach to the game. One of the reporters just asked him, hey, what's your approach? What are you trying to do with this, this team? And his statement was, we want to be the toughest team in the game at every position on every single play. We want people to know that we are the toughest team in the game. And I thought that was great. That's leadership type stuff. And then I, of course, were perusing and watching uh, college football. How about Washington State? Washington State loses to Utah 38-13, which is kind of an upset. I I think, you know, for you uh, huge college football fans, I'd love to get your take on this. But everybody knows that Mike Leach, the head coach over there, is a very straight shooter, very outspoken. But his post-game comments surprised me. After a loss like that, and we know it's much different the comments you need to make after a loss than after a victory. And as a matter of fact, I probably think that the comments you make after a loss, even a tough loss, uh, are even more important than the comments you make after a good victory. But Mike Leach, after this loss to Utah, spoke spoke about his players and their inability to play through adversity. Called his players soft, fat, dumb, happy, and entitled. And I wonder if that's the right approach. Now, I get he's probably a little pissed off and angry. I get that things probably didn't work out the way they did. But I wonder, and we're going to watch with great interest to see how the players respond to this. Maybe he has an inside knowledge. Again, he's a very uh, uh, experienced coach. Maybe he has an inside knowledge of what to say. But I just get the feeling that this is not the way to approach it, especially in this day and age when you're dealing especially with developmental players. Now, I get it. College sport and especially football, it's play to win. These, these players know where they're at, they know the level they're at, and they know the importance of performing, but most important, the idea of winning. Winning is the goal and objective here. And when you don't win, I mean, hey, you can't be happy about it, most certainly, but you also have to approach those losses, especially at that level, the right way. And I don't know if this is the right way. You have Ryan Day over at Ohio State, you know, praising his guys and praising his coaching staff. I mean, even Scott Frost, who, uh, you know, got their butts handed to them by Ohio State. He commended his players' lack of effort and the way they went out there every play, even despite the score, they went out there and they played hard every play. Then you have Mike Leach saying things like their inability to play through adversity, calling his players soft, fat, dumb, happy, and entitled. Are players going to respond to that? We're going to watch this. Like I, I am now officially going to watch Washington State just to see what happens after those statements. And we've seen coaches go off. We see them call players out. And I don't know if I've ever been a big fan of it. I get it, though, sometimes, especially if there's a lack of effort or the players. But then who do you blame when that happens? Do you blame the players? When things don't work out, do you blame the players? Well, we know for sure at the developmental levels, you cannot blame the player. One of the most important factors in a performance environment, if you're going to create a performance environment for your players, your students, If you're looking for a performance environment to get involved in, and that's one of the cool things that's happening now, not just in pro sports, maybe not as much in pro sports, but maybe to some degree, players are actually looking to where where they want to play based on not just the success and track record, but what's going on inside the organization. How is that organization going to work? And sometimes there's not a fit. Sometimes athletes don't have a choice. But if you were to look at an environment in, a, in a, a program that you'd like to go to, one of the things you have to look for is that trust factor. 
And what is that trust factor? Well, that's not a trust like they're going to pat you on the back and handhold you through the whole thing. But the trust factor has more to do with the fact that athletes can go in, work hard. You know, and that's one thing that I like about the Patriots and Belichick. And I think it's one of the reasons they're so successful. And I think those three rules that Belichick has, you know, just, hey, the, the number one rule, and again, this is out of one of his interviews, the number one rule that he has for his team is just be prepared. There's absolutely no excuse for not being prepared. The coaches are on call 24 hours. If you're not sure about your assignment, assignment, they will help you be sure about your assignment. But ultimately, ultimately, it has to come down to that environment the athletes are in. And that trust is so important, especially at the developmental levels. Listen, you have to be comfortable failing and you have to be comfortable learning from those failures if you're ever going to achieve your potential as, as an athlete or as a player. And when you get into an environment where you're so scared of failing, I dare say that it's difficult, if not impossible, to truly, truly reach your potential. Because if you're not willing to go out there and maybe push the boundaries a little bit, um, you're not gonna you're not gonna realize your potential. Now, lack of effort, there's absolutely no excuse. And I guess that's part of one of those great factors in performance cultures is it is unacceptable and most of the players who are successful you know that's not an issue in any way shape or form Um, so I'm going to watch the college football has got me and just in one Saturday like and I do watch it on the periphery it's just too much for me almost but now I'm really intrigued I've always sort of watched Ohio State and I've watched Nebraska I've actually worked with guys from both of those schools but I am going to watch Washington State very closely over the next few weeks to see if Coach Leach and his comments, uh, if it's going to work in his favor or not. If I was a player, I would be embarrassed. I might even get a little pissed off that Coach is making those, those comments. Um, but I'm not sure how a group of athletes is going to react to that. Now, maybe it goes back to what Coach Leach will now say in the locker room to the players. Hey, guys, you all heard what I said in the news. Hey, Here's what I want you to know. All right. So so let's watch that with 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 great interest because uh, I think there's a lot to learn here. So young players, bottom line is they need to be able to fail. Uh, they also need to be held accountable. And when it comes down to organizations, um, that's kind of what it's all about. If players fail through lack of preparedness, uh, do you blame the players or do you have to as a coach or a GM or an owner look at yourself in the mirror and go, okay, whose fault is this really? And when we look at Washington State, and if it was a true debacle for you college fans, you probably know better than I do if that was a uh, a huge upset, which it sounded like it was. But if that's the player's fault, why is that the player's fault? Or or is it lack of effort, lack of preparedness? Maybe they weren't taught. Or is it the coach's fault, the organization? And that's what I'm talking about when it comes down to When it comes down to environment, that internal culture has to be there. And so when you're an athlete looking where to play, uh, you got to look for those environments. And if you're one of those people who are in charge of it, you have to create an environment where your athletes can can achieve. You have to prepare them. And that's, I think, one of the things that we see across the board in successful organizations in every single sport, in business as well, and also in academics. Think of some of the great schools out there. They're great for a reason. It has a lot to do with how they operate internally, not necessarily who's there because the students come and students go. In college, players come and players go. Yet the great teams are always great. That's why we watch with such great interest. In the end of the day, however, it comes down to player performance. 
And when it comes down to player performance, there has to be expectations, clear, concise, well-defined expectations. If you're going to hold your athletes accountable, you have to have clear, realistic expectations. And it comes down to the players and being prepared. And, you know, recently there's a couple of great things that have gone on in the world of, of sport. I mean, over this last weekend, just look at Justin Verlander. When we come down, when we start talking about organizations, it starts at the top with ownership, then management, the coaches, and then the players. But everything, everything comes down in sport to the player's ability to execute their tasks, player by player. Great organizations are built player by player, putting those pieces together. And you know, a few years ago, we had uh, a show that looked at uh, our question, crush question of what are the hardest things to do in sport? And of course, we talked about boxing. We talked about hitting a baseball. We talked about doing a quadruple jump in figure skating, all these great things that athletes do. But I came up with one that kind of took everybody back and we got some great feedback from our listeners as well. I said, hey, being a GM, being a general manager in today's sporting landscape at the professional level is one of the toughest things out there because now you have to balance payrolls, you have to balance talent, you have to balance uh, um, payroll ceilings, taxes, all these things that come into play and you still have to build a championship team. And so where are championship teams coming from right now? Development, player by player by player. Look at every single team that's successful out there. There's very few teams now that are just buying championships. As a matter of fact, look what's happening with the Boston Red Sox right now. They are taking a complete turn. They're looking at the, at the A's, at the Oakland A's, who are again in the playoffs with one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. Fantastic story. Billy Bean, the whole money ball thing. It's fantastic to watch. We're seeing it in hockey. Okay. Maybe not so much in football, but because the the parity in the payrolls. But baseball is an interesting one because there is no parity in baseball. You got teams spending over two hundred million. You got teams that are spending you know fifty, sixty, seventy million dollars on their entire team payroll. And either one of those teams can have success. But the Houston Astros are are a special special organization and I don't care what sport you watch or or what sport you play they're a team to look at ladies and gentlemen and we've been watching them since the mid-2000s especially when the new ownership took over and they started to turn that ship just like a slow giant tanker tanker ship in the ocean it was a slow turn but they happen to be I think right now one of the most progressive teams in all of sport in terms of player development and getting back to Justin Verlander's great accomplishments here uh, in the last few days, um, he just got his 300th strikeout of the season. This was his first 300 strikeout season, which is incredible uh, in, in this day and age. Justin Verlander um, is 36 years old. And I, I really do hope this is a trend that we're going to see continue, not just in baseball, but every single sport. Great performing athletes going deep, deep, deep into their careers. Longevity, performance, and health. If there were three areas that you would wish for every single athlete, that would be it. Longevity, great performance, and health. Because health is the key here. And Justin Verlander, over the course of his career, has been able to stay healthy. The cool thing is that 300th strikeout of the season was also his 3,000th of his career. His 3,000th strikeout of his career and only 18 other pitchers have ever done it in the history of the game. And if there's one thing we know about Justin Verlander, he takes care of the details. Consistency, his approach to his preparation, physical, mental preparation uh, between his starts, 
is impeccable. As a matter of fact, a few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, there was a great article about Justin Verlander, the doctor of sleep in baseball. He dedicates 10 hours a night, if he can, to sleep. And that, I'm sure, comes out of the Stanford Sleep Extension Study, where 10 hours of sleep really, really improved performance, decreased risk of injuries. We know that he's taking care of his diet, and we also know that his program is fairly consistent. Here's the interesting thing, too. That program has developed with him over the years. And the program that he's in right now isn't the same one he was in a few years ago because he's always looking for ways to get better. That we know about him. On the football side, you might look at somebody like uh, Tom Brady and love him or hate him. He's 42 years old and one of the dominant players in the history of the game. They're playing in Buffalo. They played in Buffalo here this last week. And here's an interesting note. Tom Brady has won in this century... Tom Brady has won more in Buffalo than any Bills quarterback. How about that? I mean, if that doesn't sort of give you an idea what Tom Brady is all about, now love him or hate him, whether you're a Patriots fan or not, you got to respect him. And there's one thing that Tom Brady does that we know, and that's he takes care of business behind the scenes. And if you're an athlete striving to chase down a dream in sport, you could look at just those two athletes and really, really understand what it takes to be great at what you do. Tom Brady was drafted 199th overall in the sixth round of the 2000 NFL draft. And that kind of goes back to last week's show, uh, that great show we had last week with Dr. Baker talking about specialization and talent ID and how terrible we are at talent ID. I mean, Brady was could have been passed over altogether. And here he is, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game. You just don't know what can happen. And I guess the message here is don't quit. Find that right environment for yourself or learn to strive inside of the environment you're in. But the details behind the game, we know Verlander has his program. Everybody knows about Brady's program, the TB12 program that he designed with his personal trainer he has in the offseason. They've published that. They're marketing it. But it's not for everybody. That's a Tom Brady program. Don't think it's right for you. There's great things to learn from Justin Verlander's program. But remember, that program has developed over years for Justin Verlander. And Brady's program has developed over years for Tom Brady. And I'm telling you, if Brady keeps going, that program will change. But there's a lot to learn from these great athletes. And again, three words that I would probably say, commitment, dedication, and consistency. If you can have those three words wrapped around you as a professional in any area of of talent or performance, uh, you're going to probably make out all right. But here's one of the things that's happening. We look at Verlander and we look at Brady and we hear about the programs they're on. And this gets us sort of into our next conversation about what does it take to tap into your potential? Well, you've got to have an idea of where you're at clearly. You also got to have a clear idea of where you want to go, but you got to really understand how you get there. And as an athlete, you can't do it alone. It's not possible. Nobody can operate in a bubble and really, really, truly tap into their potential. You've got to have experts around you and you've got to understand that it progresses over time. And there's a great saying that we have a crush performance here. What got you here will not get you there. Because you have to continually look for ways to improve, continually look for ways to adapt to get better and chase down the next level of performance, whatever that might be. So what got you to where you're at today won't get you to the next level because, well, it can't. And one of the problems that we're seeing out there right now is everybody's getting caught up in these, these uh, I guess, generalized programs. Not even generalized. They see something that seems to work for somebody else and they think it will work for them. Here's my word of caution, okay? 
Um, that's not really truly how it works. So you can look at like some of the heavy weighted ball programs or some of the sprint programs or weight training. Do you weight train? Some people don't weight train. Uh, weight training for me is an absolute critical part of athlete development and performance, but it has to be done properly. And one of the problems that we see, especially with some of these online programs is they don't consider the athlete's history context. They don't understand maybe where the athlete's at right now or what their future goals are. They just say, okay, here's a program that's worked in the past for these athletes. Uh, it could work for you. Give it a try. Whoo, dangerous, dangerous game to play. So when you're out there looking for opportunities, whether you're a coach, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a GM trying to develop a, a program that's going to work in, in, in the long term, Look at what does work. I mean, look at Verlander. What is he doing? There's something to be learned there. Tom Brady. Oh my gosh. There's definitely tons to learn there as well. But you have to wrap that up, take it for what it's worth, and then see what's going to work for you in your setting and for where you're at in your development because development is a long game and over the course of an athlete's development there's windows of opportunity and opportunity leads to future opportunity as long as it's done properly some of it just happens right don't get me wrong some of it just happens you know there's a progression of development but a lot of it can be orchestrated keep this in mind there's not a lot that's new out there. There really isn't. Our understanding of human performance in terms of physical development, faster, higher, stronger. We say this all the time on the show. I'm going to say it again. We know about that stuff. If you want to get faster, done. You want to be able to jump higher, done. You want to be able to uh, compete in a, your particular sport movement-wise. We can improve your movement. We can improve your coordination. We know about talent development. We know how to build a skill set. But we also have to be able to sequence that over time. And when you do reach your goal and objective, we also have to understand how do we get to the next level after that. We're sort of at a biological ceiling when it comes to the physical side. But when you can tie that in with a great performance environment, the technical tactical side, now you've got a marriage. Now you've got an organization or an approach that's going to help you achieve your true limits. When we develop athletes that the coaches can then coach to new levels, that's where you really make an impact. And that's one of the reasons that uh, successful organizations, I believe, are successful. If you look at the great college organizations over the years, what did they do better than anything? Well, they develop athletes so the coaches can develop players. Look at the pro organizations. What do they do? Well, most of them have a very, very deep and developed talent pool through their minor league systems to support their high-performing big league players, regardless of the sport. And when their big league players are performing, they really have a support structure around them, not just in terms of the athlete development, recovery, regeneration, and performance, but also in the technical tactical side. It's the full package. And I think there's great opportunities out there for a lot of organizations, for most organizations, to do a better job at that. And when you're a young athlete, or a professional looking to get into an organization. Those are some of the things that I personally would suggest you look at. All right. Okay. Well, it all comes back to the idea of the environment and the people around you. Get good people around you and get into the right environment. And then, you know what? We'll find out. We don't know how good you can get. We didn't know how good Tom Brady was going to be. And it goes back again to our show last week. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, please do. Talent ID specialization with crush favorite Dr. Uh, Joe Baker. We talked about how terrible we are at trying to predict future success. So what, what we do in crush performance in our programs 
is we just look for athletes who are dedicated and have a dream to chase down. And then we lay out what needs to get done. And then we'll, we'll find out how good you can get if you're willing just to get the work done. And that's why the, the, the one factor I think that separates the great organizations from the other ones is just the input, the effort level, the focus and the input. Anyway, great stuff environment conversations, culture conversations, we could go on forever. I just love this stuff because I believe this is where the future of sport performance lies. The physical side, it's easy. It truly is easy if you know what you're doing. But you have to have a great environment surrounding that great athletic ability and that great player skill in order for it really, really, truly to reach its potential. So, so great stuff. All right, that'll do it for today, everybody. Hey, listen, if you have questions, comments, or smart remarks on any of this stuff, get to us. If you have an opinion, if you disagree with me, let me know. But especially if you're a college aficionado, college sport aficionado, especially football, let me know what you think about Ohio State and the great organizations. Let me know about Washington State and the comments Mike Leach made. What do you guys think about that? Uh, get to us, crushperformance.com is the website. At Jeff Crushes, our Twitter is my Twitter handle. Please give me a follow if you uh, so choose. And on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, you can check out Crush Performance. Hey, coming up in the next few weeks, we've got a great fall lineup coming up. We're going to be talking nutrition. We're going to be going to the NFL, to some of the best minds in the NFL. We're going to talk uh, sport nutrition for athlete development. Uh, some really good stuff coming up there. The NHL season's kicking off, so we're going to do a lot of hockey talk. We've got to do some hockey talk coming up. I want to unleash the Crush team's and players to watch this year, plus the storylines in the NHL. Uh, there's a lot to learn there. Edmonton Oilers, again, are maybe our top team to watch this year simply because of all the changes. Can they actually surround Connor McDavid with the players that can send that organization into the stratosphere again? Oh, they're so close. And the changes they made this offseason are incredibly interesting. Very interesting. Uh, so we'll talk more hockey coming up. And also, we're going to talk about the impact of data and analytics on sport and athlete development. It's a very interesting conversation. We're going to get with some of the experts in there because the landscape is changing and a lot of it has to do with how we're using data and analytics, but also the amount of data and the amount of analytics and how accurate it is now is alarming. It's like those Google analytics. They know Google knows more about us than we know about ourselves, especially when it comes to our purchasing and our purchasing tendencies. I think we're seeing similar trends in sport. We're going to talk about that. It's a fascinating conversation. And I also want to go back to the music world. I want to get back to the music world because, one, I love music, but also a lot of the research in the talent and talent development area comes out of music and music development. So we're going to get with some great musicians. We're going to talk about how they developed and some of the things we can learn from the music world when it comes to talent and talent development. It's all coming up this fall on Crush Performance. All right, I want to thank you guys for tuning in today. Hey, if you like the show, share it with your friends, your family, your teammates, your fellow coaches, uh, and get us your comments. And we'll talk to you next time right here on Crush Performance. We're here to help you think like an athlete. Goodbye now. Don't forget to ride. I'm Jerry Petuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. 
All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 